This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Today we're going to be having a look at the power of vulnerability. We're going to define what vulnerability is. We're going to have a look at what it means to you and in particular what stands in between you and that kind of level of truthfulness. Uh, On a personal note, vulnerability is a big one for me because for the large part of the, you know, the early part of my life, uh, this essentially described my biggest fear. It's people seeing what I actually was. And I see this all the time, all the time. When when you see somebody engaging in harmful, self-sabotaging, show-offy type behavior, what you're really seeing is somebody hiding what they believe they actually are. Uh, and for the reason of being that they associate the concept of being vulnerable with being truthful, the idea that if you're exposed, somehow you're going to be harmed. So this is, uh, yes, this is a big one for, for all of us, really. And for me, I spent, you know, the first 25 years of my life really struggling to make genuine connections with people. I had friends, don't get me wrong, I had a lot of people in my life. I had a quantity of people, but the quality, the depth of those connections, the safety I felt in order to to express myself, whatever you want to call it, that was very low. I felt that basically I was in a lot of superficial relationships, and I often felt alone even in a crowd of people, constantly hyper-aware, constantly needing to adjust my behavior and check in and measure everybody, uh, being hypersensitive to their reactions, because I was, yeah, I was afraid of being vulnerable. I didn't know what that word even really meant. And I knew that if I let people see who I was, well, I knew, I believed that there would be some catastrophic kind of consequences to that. I didn't even know what they were. I just knew it was something to be afraid of and therefore avoid. So today we're going to have a look at what it means to be vulnerable, how to do it, and why you should be doing it. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where we'll go today, but we've done this session a few times in the live version of Brojo, and it's been really interesting. It's been really interesting just to see the the fearful kind of thoughts and feelings that come up just in relation to the word vulnerable. You know, I always start Brojo sessions by asking people to define what the word means. When I ask, what does it mean to be vulnerable? Uh, every time we've done this, nothing but kind of painful words have come up. So that's interesting. So I'm going to talk about what I mean by being vulnerable, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about what other people uh, say comes up for them when they hear the word vulnerable. When I talk about vulnerable, I'm talking about a kind of level of truthful honesty where there is no protective shield. It's that level of truthfulness where you have no idea how the other person's going to react or Even if you suspect that they're going to react in a negative, harmful way, you do it anyway. Vulnerability is a form of nudity. It is the absolute revealing of everything that's going on inside you. Not just what you want other people to see, but what you don't want them to see. What you don't even want to see in yourself. Things you don't even yet understand about yourself, expressing what you do know. Uh, rather than waiting to get to a point of certainty before you express yourself. That's the kind of vulnerability we're talking about, that absolute unleashing of all of your bullshit, all of your good, all of your bad, whatever you want to call it, everything being brought out to be seen by somebody else. And of course, it's on a spectrum how much of this kind of truthfulness you're prepared to go to, how vulnerable you're willing to be. Now, I talk about... I I labeled this the power of vulnerability because I think there's a big misunderstanding about vulnerability. I want to start by planting that seed right now is the idea that to be completely vulnerable is to actually be invincible. If you're completely vulnerable, you become invincible. Now I'm going to explain a bit more about what that means later on, but I want you to just allow that idea to kind of circulate in your mind. The idea that perhaps being completely open protects you from being harmed. Now, I know a lot of you will not believe that, and so we're going to dig into that more throughout this session. 
But when I ask people what does it mean to be vulnerable, there's a whole lot of things that come up. One is about the removal of armor. The idea that whatever you use to protect yourself socially, to lay down those defenses, to essentially expose yourself to being attacked. Now, this is this is a pretty common definition of being vulnerable. The idea that you are somehow exposed to harm deliberately. One way it's uh, one guy mentioned it is talking about the idea that he allows someone to affect him when he's vulnerable. So when you're when you're vulnerable, somebody else can get into your mind and do stuff to you. Another analogy we came up with was the the concept of the hermit crab. So this is a crab that gets bigger and bigger, but it doesn't grow its own uh, shell. It's it's a hermit. It lives in other shells and other objects. And what happens is as it keeps growing, it has to keep finding a new shell to live in because its body gets too big for the previous one. And you'll see this, what a hermit crab will do is it will go and find the new shell it wants to live in or a discarded Coca-Cola can or something like that. And it lines it right up next to itself, kind of looks around and then quickly gets out of its old shell and jumps into the new one. And in that moment in between shells, the, the hermit crab is vulnerable, it is exposed, and the things that prey on hermit crabs wait for this moment and pounce. That's when the only time you can really eat a hermit crab is when it makes this transition from one shell to the next. So often this is how people describe the concept of being vulnerable, this, this shellless approach, this unprotected and therefore unsafe concept of exposing who you really are. When we dig in deeper, what we're talking about is allowing the possibility for someone else to judge you, to come into possession of information about you that they could possibly use for harmful means, to allow them to see your weaknesses, uh, to allow them to see the, the gaps in your armor, how you know, the things that can be used against you to provoke you, to harm you emotionally. You know, it's really just allowing people to do something negative to you, to open that gap in your armor and and expose the flesh within. Often, while people describe this when I ask, what does that mean in real life? They struggle to clarify it. But the closest they often come is to talk about weaknesses. The idea that being vulnerable means other people get to see your weaknesses and other people are able to then use it against you in some harmful way. So common examples might be literally getting naked, so taking your clothes off in front of somebody. All the insecurities you have about your body now feel like they've been exposed to the other person. If, for example, you had a small penis, you know this is now something that they can go and tell their friends about. They now know that information. That's a way that you are vulnerable and can be harmed. If you're hiding how, you know, the shape of your body with your clothing and, and you don't like that shape, you think you're too fat or too thin or whatever, and you take your clothes off, that's now exposed. If they want to laugh at you about that, they can now do that. This is the concept in, in a physical example. Other examples include letting people know that you don't know what you're doing at work and feeling that that will somehow damage your career prospects. Letting somebody know that you're in love with them first, and putting them in a position where they can say, I don't feel the same way, and harm you as, as you perceive it. It's these kind of things. Letting people know something true about you that you believe will be met with some sort of negative attack, some sort of harm, or at least the potential. They will now have that over on you. They could blackmail you with it in some way. So that's often when I talk to people what it means to be vulnerable, that's what it comes up with, and that's definitely what I used to believe it was. I now come to understand that that definition of vulnerability is actually a definition of shame. It's saying that the act of exposing myself is also wrong. That if I was to let this particular thing out in front of this particular person, it would show them that I'm not good enough. It would show them that I am wrong in some way as a person. And that's what makes me vulnerable. 
So we're going to have a look into this particular concept. The idea that you being open and honest, making you vulnerable, is actually a bit of a misunderstanding. Because you can be open and honest without being harmed. And this is what we're really going to look at today. We're going to look at how the vulnerable aspect of being honest is really down to your shame. Now, an example that came up in Brojo, an interesting one, was a comparison between Monica Lewinsky, uh, who was the president's aide who had an affair with Bill Clinton and nightmare ensued from that, and Paris Hilton, who was exposed with a sex tape that was released on the internet. Now, both of these women had a very similar experience on paper. That is, something sexual about them was released to a massive public and gained a lot of public interest. That's what they have in common. Okay. So what's really clearly different about these two situations is one of them seemed to destroy a career. One of them seemed to create one. So before the sex tape for Paris Hilton was released, she was basically nothing. In the public eye, she had some reality show, well, that before or after the sex tape, I can't remember, but she wasn't a big deal. After the sex tape, she was a very big deal. You wouldn't be too far off the mark to start assuming that perhaps she even released the tape herself, given the rewards that were to come from that exposure. Now, Monica Lewinsky, there was no tape. You don't even get to see whatever happened. You just heard about it. There was some evidence presented in court or whatever, but... In a sense, on paper, she had it easier. It was just talked about. It wasn't seen. Yet her career seemingly was destroyed by it. Now, she recently did a TED Talk about being the first person to be publicly shamed on the internet. And that was quite interesting for me. I didn't realize she was kind of the first. You know, she calls herself patient zero for public shaming on the internet. But for me, I looked at these two things. And I'm like, well, what was the difference? How was it that one had a career from the incident where another lost a career from the incident. How could that difference in reaction happen? And when I was watching Monica Lewinsky's TED Talk, that's when I realized. Now, she was, what's interesting in that TED Talk is she actually somewhat blames the public for her humiliation. She says, they shamed me. That she went into hiding for 20 years after this incident because they shamed her because they turned on her. Now, I have no doubt that she was judged negatively. Absolutely. I have no doubt that she received a ton of hate mail. She probably received all sorts of pressure that we don't know about from Bill Clinton and his staff and all that to apologize and so on. No doubt she received a lot of disapproval from the world. But so did Paris Hilton. You look up Paris Hilton on the internet, you'll get half of people saying they love her and the other half calling her a whore and a slut. She gets just as much hate as Monica Lewinsky, probably even more. So what is the difference? How is it that one person thrived and the other one kind of died? Now, when I was looking at this, it sort of became really apparent to me really quickly. And I was looking at this through the lens of vulnerability and honesty and truth. And I realized there was really a big key difference between the two. And that difference was Monica Lewinsky said, sorry, this is the difference. Monica Lewinsky was ashamed of her behavior Paris Hilton was proud. The only discernible difference in their two situations, really, when you look at it, all the factors being equal, is one of them was apologetic and the other one was not. They were both vulnerably exposed, but the one who was harmed was not harmed by being exposed. We can see that clearly in Paris Hilton's case, being exposed is not harmful in and of itself. If that was the case, both her, Kim Kardashian, whoever else has had a sex scandal, they would all be harmed by it, if that was the case. But there's so many people who have been exposed without being harmed, or at least in the long term, without losing in some way. So when we look at Monica Lewinsky's situation, what we see is the key difference there is that she was not proud of herself. But even that is not the case. It's that she was really unwilling to be exposed. And that's what the apology represents. She was trying to hide this truth about herself. Whereas Paris Hilton made very little effort to 
to stop the sex tape circulating around the internet, it's still available on the internet now, so I'm told. This is where we get to see a key difference in vulnerability. Whether or not you're going to be harmed isn't about other people's perspective on the information, it's about yours. Now, it is true that some of the information you reveal will be met with hostility and may even be met with some external consequences. For example, if you were to be completely honest at work, yes, you may lose your job. I don't know what your job is. I don't know what you being completely honest is. I know that sometimes in some situations that combination would equal in the loss of a job. Absolutely. There are some people if you're vulnerably honest with, they are going to judge you and they are not going to like you. No matter how you present your information, all across the world, there are so many different perspectives that no matter what, no matter how confident you are, someone's going to hate your guts. That's for sure. Someone's going to react painfully. But whether or not that hurts you is different. Whether or not that causes you harm actually comes down to you. So when we talk about vulnerability, we're going to have a look at how you do it on the Paris Hilton side of things. Okay? Now, we're not talking about releasing a sex tape and basically making a living from being as whorish as possible. We're not talking about that. We're going to have a look at how you thrive from your weaknesses being exposed rather than suffer. You already know in your mind what the downsides to being vulnerable are. You're going to lose outcomes, possibly. This is all potential, right? You'll be afraid. You'll feel embarrassed, possibly humiliated. You'll have disapproval. You know, these all these are all things that can happen with you being vulnerably exposed. Ironically, they're all things that can happen even if you keep everything to yourself. They're going to happen anyway, right? So all of these things can happen, and let's just, for the sake of argument, agree that they're more likely to happen if you vulnerably expose yourself. I totally don't think that's the case, but let's just pretend it is for the sake of argument. What about the benefits of being vulnerable? What do you miss out on when you're not? What I learned when I started switching from being closed off and protected to being open and vulnerable is that the clearest difference is connection. You absolutely cannot genuinely create a connection with another person unless you let them see who you are. It's just rational logic. You cannot connect with something you cannot see. You cannot resonate and find commonalities with something that doesn't exist to you. It's simple. If I meet someone and they've got a fear of heights and I've got a fear of heights, we can only connect on that if we both expose our fear of heights to each other. Right? Very simple. Now, if one of the person says, I'm afraid of heights, and the other person's so scared of being vulnerable that they say, no, nah, heights don't bother me, instant disconnect happens, doesn't it? It's this simple logic that you can apply to a social situation. Understand that every time you hold back, every time you hide your weaknesses, your truth, your insecurities, your fears, your perversions, all the stuff you don't want people to see about you, Every one of those things is an act of disconnection. If another person you've got, uh, you're talking to, has those same things as you, and yet you hide them, you cannot connect on them. Now, the argument against this, well, we connect on the other stuff. You know, people will like me because I'm positive all the time. People will like me because I never fail. People will like me because I hide all my fears. I don't know how you've convinced yourself to believe this. I don't know how I managed to convince myself to believe it early in those days. But when you really think about it, it makes no sense at all. How on earth is, how the fuck is someone supposed to connect with a perfect person? Think about that. We've all got insecurities. You may not even believe that at this stage. All you got to do is ask around to find out. We've all got insecurities, right? We've all got fear. Even the most psychopathic, hardened, murderous criminals in the world still fear for their own safety. Right? I've worked with them. I know this. We've all got fears. We've all got insecurities. We all think we're not good enough. Or we think we're massively too good. We've all got problems, right? So when you meet someone who doesn't seem to have any of these issues, which will only be because they're hiding them, you don't feel like you're meeting a real human. You can't connect with someone who's better than you. You can't connect with someone who's perfect. 
And so when you're sitting there going, I'm hiding all the worst shit about me and still I don't have any friends, you're looking at it from a skewed perspective. It's because you hide everything about you. Now, there will be counterexamples that come up in your mind. There'll be times you tried to reach out to someone to show a little bit of yourself and it went wrong. My argument was twofold. One is you reached out to the wrong person and you didn't realize that you were seeing a, an example of a bad fit and you were learning something good in that situation. And two is you did it the Monica Lewinsky way. You were apologetic about who you are. You exposed your truth in a way where you almost guaranteed a negative reaction. Put it this way, if I think I'm creepy for desiring someone, then when I go up to someone and expose my desire, it's going to come out creepy. Everything about my belief system will change well. I'm going to be like, excuse me, I like the way you look. Because I'm already creeped out by my own truth. I'm guaranteeing they're going to be creeped out. Yet if I'm unapologetic about it, if I go and go, look, this might even be wrong to say, I don't give a fuck. I like you. I like you the way you are. You turn me on. Now, some people still will react negatively to that, but so many others who are unsure about whether or not you having desire is creepy will see that you don't believe it is and therefore tip over into the it must be okay category. I see this all the time. I talk about it in the frame control video. It's one of the first Brojo Online videos we ever did. Whoever's truth is strongest in a situation will determine other people's beliefs. And this is the case with yourself. If you believe you're creepy, other people will too. If you believe that what's true about you is wrong, other people will be more likely to believe it's wrong as well. If I go to the boss and say, look, I'm really sorry. I know this is terrible. I'm just such a terrible person for doing this. But, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't actually sick the other day. I'm so sorry. I, I I just called in because, you know, my mental health and I just, you know, it was so wrong of me. The boss is going to be like, fuck you, it was wrong of you, you know, <laughs> unless he's a nice person. It's just going to be like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. But if you go to the boss and go, look, I lied the other day. I called in sick. It wasn't technically sick. I was stressed out. I, I just want to be honest with you. I don't know why I lied, but lying's not something I agree with. And yeah, I just wanted to let you know that. I got stressed out. I needed a day off. I didn't know how else to get one. It's going to be reacted to differently. It really will. So one of the benefits of being vulnerable is you get to connect, right? You can connect in places that other people can't. You'll be able to connect with work colleagues as friends, whereas if you be professional all the time, you won't be able to. You'll be able to connect with staff as a manager and a friend. You won't be able to do that if you're just a manager who's trying to look like everything's sorted. You'll be able to connect with potential loving partners. You'll be able to show them who you actually are. And it's ironically, that's what they're going to love. They're going to love that dark side about you. You know, I talked about the concept of mechophiles. I do this all the time as an example. These are guys who like to fuck cars, you know, and other motor vehicles. There's a whole community of them. They found each other on the internet and they get to go and hang out and have these bizarre conventions. And, the thing is, in that space, they get to be who they actually are, and so they'll connect with each other. They connect on being mechophiles. You know, the thing that they hide from everyone else is the very thing that they connect on most deeply. And it'll be the same for you. Your type of person, they'll connect lightly with you on what your pleasures are. You know, they'll connect a little bit deeper on what your interests are, but where you'll really connect is your shame, your struggle your dark side. When you meet someone, you've got the same sick, fucked up sense of humor. That's when you really bond, right? When you meet someone, you both got the same phobia. You can talk about it. You both got the same sexual desires. You can talk about it and you can connect. Being vulnerable also has the benefit of building authenticity. Authenticity is one of those words that get thrashed all the time and nobody even knows what it means. For me, it's about integrity. It's about your behavior aligning with what you believe is true in your mind. Now, often what happens is we have something that we believe is true and then we have to change it to justify our behavior. For example, at work, I'll be like, holy shit, I feel like an imposter. I feel like such a fraud right now. And then my mind will go to work to remove that. And it'll say, no, you just got to be perfect. You got to be strong. That's the truth. You've got to hide anything you're afraid of on and on. 
Now, being authentic means that at the end of the day, you don't have to tell these stories to yourself. You don't have to justify why you do what you do. You just live by your values and you're proud of yourself for doing that, even when it doesn't go your way. So when you be vulnerable, it's a form of deep honesty. You're accepting yourself when you're vulnerable. When you're open and honest, you're removing the need for other people's acceptance. You're doing something that you think will actually bring about disapproval. And that's the only way you can accept yourself. When you say, I'm going to say this anyway. I'm going to be truthful even though people won't like me for it. That's the only way you can gain real self-acceptance is to be the only one who approves of you. You know, Be willing at least to be the only one. When you need somebody else to approve of you, that is a form of not accepting yourself. When you're saying somebody else has to like me too, you're saying me liking me isn't enough. You make it true by the way you behave. When you expose who you really are, even if everyone deserts you, you've just given yourself full approval. But again, if you do it in the Monica Lewinsky way, if you say, yes, it happened, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being who I am. I'm sorry for being a human. I'm sorry for being a real person. You just destroy yourself with. You hide away for 20 years. Being vulnerable allows, through disapproval, allows you to find your tribe. If me being me puts people off, then I'm around the wrong fucking people. And me being me will help me figure that out. If I'm going around talking about what I want to talk about, exposing my weaknesses, telling people about my dark side, letting them see that sometimes I'm confused and afraid and frustrated and unsure of myself, and the people around me react negatively to that, I get to step back and go, why the fuck am I around these people? The kind of people who are right for me will not react this way. Quite the opposite. They'll want to talk more. They'll want to get to know me. But most importantly, and this is again along the lines of acceptance, Being vulnerable is the cure to loneliness. You see, loneliness has nothing to do with other people. We think it does, but it really doesn't. You can feel lonely even in a crowd. You know this. You've felt it before. You can feel complete all by yourself. Sometimes you've had moments where you don't feel even the slightest amount of loneliness, and yet no one's around. Other people being around, and even other people approving of you, has nothing to do with it. Back when I was a people pleaser, and I still have bits of that in me now, I could get a whole room laughing at my joke. 30 people going, oh, Dan, he's such a great guy, and feel completely alone in that moment. All the validation in the world sometimes wasn't enough. So loneliness is a completely internal concept. It really has nothing to do with your proximity or your approval gained from other people. It's because other people's approval isn't what you need. It's your own you're looking for. It's what you've always been looking for. You've always wanted to just see yourself and be like, I like that person as they are. Not just for those bits, not just for the bits that other people like, but for all the bits. I had a moment of complete vulnerable acceptance. Uh, it was actually one of the first times I met my girlfriend. I was I was at my uh, I was at home waiting for her to get to my house and I was feeling really nervous about it for some reason. I was kind of nervous, and then I started beating myself up for being nervous because I'm supposed to be this confident guy and all this sort of identity bullshit. And I was kind of going in this back-and-forth thing, like, I'm nervous, I shouldn't be nervous, now I'm nervous about being nervous, and now I'm mad that I'm nervous, and doing that kind of thing that we all do. And then this thought just popped into my head, and it was one of the most accepting thoughts I've ever had. Ironically, the thought was, I'm a bit fucked up. Now, it sounds like a judgmental thing, but the the connotation and the meaning to it wasn't judgmental. It was a realization. I was watching myself go through this kind of torment as I lay in my bed in a situation where I was completely unharmed. I was doing all the harm to myself. Nothing was actually happening to me. And I looked and I was just like, look at me doing this thing. Look how fucked up I can get. And it's okay. It's just normal. It's human. We all do it. A lot of people pretend to do it. Most people pretend that they're fine, that they don't do this kind of thing, that they don't have these moments, but we all do. I've coached over 300 people. I'm telling you, we all have these moments. All those things you think you do by yourself and no one else does, you're not that special, little snowflake. You're not. Everybody's as fucked up as you are. Well, some people are more fucked up than other people, but we're all fucked up. 
right? Because we're all broken, none of us are broken. It's just normal. It's human baseline to be a bit fucked up, to be insecure and needy and whatever, neurotic. We've got that. It's built into us. It's not actually a problem. So when you go out there and you're being truthful and you're letting people see that rawness, that that exposed, vulnerable section of you, that flesh underneath the armor, it's a form of deep self-acceptance. You get to show yourself that you're okay and that, I'm telling you, is the cure to loneliness. With that kind of level of self-acceptance, when you look at yourself and you are like, fuck, I was 100% truthful today, not just with others but with myself. I let everybody, including myself, see what I really am. The loneliness goes away. You could be the last person left on earth and feel complete with that level of honesty. And some of you will know this on a rational level, but emotionally you just can't buy into it. This idea is like, yeah, but I've got to keep my job. You know, I, I've got to make people like me. It's, I, I don't know why I believe this, but I, I just believe it. I think I've seen evidence for it, even though... There's lots of counter-evidence to it. I, I believe for me, I'm different. I'm special. I need people to like me. I can't risk disapproval. I can't lose my job. On and on. I don't need to change your belief around that. I still have bits of those beliefs myself come in now and again. It used to rule my entire life. <clears throat> but what I will say is then, instead of looking to get rid of this belief, start looking at the idea of adopting a little more risk-taking in your life. Just imagine... Just imagine that everything I'm saying is right. Now, it might not be, but just imagine it was. Imagine that all the things you're missing out on in life are not because you're hiding your weaknesses. It's not because you have weaknesses, but because you're hiding them. That the, the real satisfaction and fulfillment that you're looking for won't come from others, but it will come from yourself through the exposure of truthful honesty. Let's just imagine for a second that's true. It doesn't have to be. You never have to agree with me, of course. I want you to design your own beliefs, not adopt mine. But just, just bear with me as a mental experiment here. I want you to look at your life and see where you're not living by that. Where do you hide your insecurities, your fears? Where do you hide them from yourself? Where do you hide them from others? Where do you let people believe that you're something that you're not? At work, are you professional? You know, Do you let people think that you're more sorted and less stressed than you actually are? When you're on a date, do you let people think that you're more attractive than you actually are? Do you change your appearance to influence them? Do you tell them the stories that make you look good and ask the questions that make you look interesting or interested instead of just telling them the truth? Do you hide sexual desire or do you try to use, even use honesty, as a way to make people like you? Do you wait until you're not confused to share something? Do you wait until you've come to a clear understanding of your own thoughts before you open up? Or do you just let people see the process in action? Look at your own life and ask, you know, where am I not being vulnerable? Where am I protecting myself with dishonest and deceptive behavior, thoughts, and so on? I want you to think of what it would look like to experiment with some risk-taking to test out the theory that I'm presenting here today. Where is an area of your life where you could be a bit more uncomfortably honest, where you could let someone see a bit more than you usually let them see? A bit of that dark side. As a test, we're going to look at some practical application now. Let's do that. We're going to look at uh, some homework that you can engage in, some actions you can take, and how you can take those actions so that you're Paris Hilton rather than Monica Lewinsky. Right? I'm sure many of you don't really aspire to be Paris Hilton, but think of it as aspiring to be shameless. Because I can tell you from watching her, and I watch her closely, shameless is working out pretty well for her. Shameless also works out pretty well for people like, say, Miley Cyrus. Who else we got? Uh, Sam Harris, the neuroscientist. A lot of the guys on the improvement, John Cooper, Sam Ryder. You know, you can see some great examples of shamelessness there. Let's have a look at what exposing yourself actually does and how you can risk a little bit to test it out. So the first piece of action I'll give you to do is I want you to make a list. I want you to make a list of all the significant people in your life, the, the top 20 to 50 that you have regular contact with, okay? 
and I don't mean the Facebook strangers, though they might count. I'm talking about people you work with, people you have friendships with, your family, partners, um, associates of associates, people you'll see like at least every month. I want you to make a list, and next to each of their names, I want you to give them a rating from 0 to 10 and how safe you feel with them. Okay, so zero being I would never let them see anything about myself because they would definitely try to harm me with it through to say a five out of 10, which would be like, I don't actually know how they're going to react to me. I've, I haven't really tested it yet. I'm not sure if they're safe or not through to a 10 where I don't care if they caught me in the middle of my worst act. I know they would have my back. Right. I want you to rate everybody so that you can get a sense of who you can trust, you get a sense of who you can test with. Because what we're looking for initially are the people in the 5 to 10 category, if you've got them. You know, you might be a deeply suspicious or paranoid person at this stage and not be able to really trust anyone. We're just going to look for people you trust the most more than others, right? We're looking for your safe space to practice. Next, and this is along the lines of the shame grid exercise. So for those of you who are engaged in the 3X Confidence and Authenticity Masterclass program... (laughs) There's a shame grid exercise in in the shame lecture, which will help you with all this, but we're just simplifying it for today. So next thing is I want you to write a list, and this is where things get interesting, because this is where you first have to be vulnerable with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. I want you to write a list of all the things you're ashamed of. And when I say ashamed, I mean all the things that are true about you that you either deliberately or unconsciously hide from other people and, of course, from yourself. It doesn't have to be something you hide from all other people, but there will be contexts. There's some really obvious ones. For example, you probably don't talk about how often you masturbate with your workmates, right? That one's going to be unlikely. You probably don't go on a date and tell someone about the least attractive things that you do, right? You probably haven't told your parents about all the trouble you got into when you were a kid. There'll be some things that you haven't told certain people about. These are your shames, right? These are the things that you're ashamed of. Sometimes there'll be things like I did this thing or I am like a bit like this sometimes or I behave or think in this way. And then there'll be emotions. So there'll be some emotions that you're ashamed of. You might hide anger from people, for example, fear, confusion. There will be things that you hide. You're less likely to let other people see you feel exposed and vulnerable when other people see these things. So I want you to make a list, and I want you to have a look at which of those things you could share with the safe people. Which could you let them see a little bit more of just to test the idea that this will actually deepen your connections, polarize bad fit people away from you, and increase self-acceptance. Right, that's one of the three main things that we're testing here today. Now, first off, the reason I get you to write a list of all those things is because for you to be shamelessly honest, for you to expose yourself without apology, first you have to know what the hell you're talking about. You have to get to a point where you expose it in a powerfully honest way. And I want to give you some tips for that now. First and foremost is creating the space. Now, if I'm going to tell somebody something that's the deep and meaningful I'm going to expose a different layer that they haven't seen yet. What I'll do is I'll often prep both of us for that. Now, I'll prep myself by journaling about it. I'll write down how I'm going to say it or how I'd like to say it. Get an idea of how to put it into words in a powerful, unapologetic way. Then what I'll do is I'll actually prep them. Now, one way to prep them is to say something like, I've never told you this before, and I'm actually a bit scared to tell you this. It's a way to kind of help them shut off their judgmental, reactive nature. You can actually prep them to say, hey, this I'm exposing myself now. Because so often, the thing that you think is this big deal isn't a big deal to them. They won't realize that until you tell them. So you'll be like, my dad never hugged me. And for you, this is like a 9 out of 10 shame. You're so embarrassed by even bringing this up. And to them, they're just like, whatever, who cares? Because it's not a big deal to them. And this will often be the case for you. The things you're deeply ashamed of are not a big deal to most other people, with exceptions, of course. But you'll think it's a big deal, and they won't. And if you don't prep them for understanding that this is a big deal for you, they might not react with empathy. They might not be there in a respectful space when you start. If you try to catch them, they're busy. They don't realize that this is a big deal. They're just going to 
react with a bit of a, oh, whatever, who cares? And you'll be crushed by it. Oh, I exposed myself and now they hate me. You didn't realize that actually you weren't, neither of you were in a respectful space for that to happen. So prep them, look, hey man, I'd love to, you know, have five minutes of your time. There's something I want to tell you about. I'm a bit nervous saying it, like it's kind of a big deal for me to expose this, you know. Are you cool with that? Get them in a space. Now the thing is, this is a great way to polarize because this way, even if you come out as confused and awkward and you didn't say it right or whatever and you sounded a bit apologetic, whatever, you've given them the best chance to be respectful. If they are still disrespectful after that, you're pretty much guaranteed got a bad fit right there. Someone who's a good fit for you will not punish you for being honest when you've prepped them and they're a good fit. You know, it just won't happen. So if you do all of this and they're like, no, I don't really feel like talking about that, or you tell them, they're like, what a loser. They still react badly after you've shown them how vulnerable you're feeling right now and how exposed you're feeling. Then you've definitely got yourself a shitty fit and that person needs to get the fuck out of your life. Now, if that means never talking to them, if that means quitting your job, getting divorced, whatever it means, I thoroughly encourage you to do it. You'll thank yourself in the long term. That person is a toxic waste of space for you. And all those people who could be a good fit are in line behind that person. He has to leave or she has to leave before those people can come into your life. It's as simple as that. Own what you say. This is the main thing here. Whatever it is you're going to expose... Own it. It is all yours. You're not a victim. This wasn't given to you. This is not something that uh, you've been inflicted with. It's not a disease that you are suffering. It is just part of you. Even if, you know, I had one client who told me that she was essentially raped as a young as a young girl. What I mean by owning it, I don't mean that she was at fault for being raped. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is how she deals with it and that that is now part of her past. That's what she owns. Like, yes, this did happen to me. I am the one that happened to. And it's my job to move on with it. It's my job to find a way to heal, to grow from it, to somehow benefit from it in the long term. That's my job. So this happened to me. And as much as I tell myself I wish it hadn't happened, that's not an option. It has. That's my job to deal with it. That's owning something. If you're angry and you're ashamed of your anger, it's your job to say, look, I'm really angry right now. I'm not comfortable with anger. I've got some problems with anger for some reason, but I am angry. It's happening. <laughs> We're right in the thick of the action. It's on. You know, so I'm not going to say sorry for something that's part of me. So this is the key. You really own it. Um, and, and like I said, the subset, just avoid apologizing for yourself if possible. An apology doesn't just mean saying sorry. It means being apologetic. Like, you know, I know this is a terrible thing to say. No, it's not. It's just neutral information. It's only terrible because you just said it was terrible. Before that, it was just words. Keep it as just words, right? I used to work with pedophiles, people who would tell me about the terrible things that they did to children. Some of them were shameless about it. And those were the, ironically, they're the ones I could work with the best. The ones who were just like, yeah, I've done this fucking thing. You know, I can I can say sorry for it and all that, but ultimately I did it. You know, I chose to do it. So I own that. I'm not going to pretend I was afflicted by some demon and that it wasn't really me making those decisions. It was. You know, I fucking wish I hadn't, but I I did. So instead of saying, sorry, what can I do to fix this? How do I move on with my life? How do I make amends and how do I repair whatever damage I have that causes me to do this stuff? You know, that is unapologetic ownership. There's no need for sorry. It really isn't. Think about it as pushing people away with honesty. Like I said before, think about this rather than trying to make people like you, which is your initial thing for not being vulnerable, is actually trying to make bad fits dislike you. Assume that if someone's a good fit, then you are completely safe to be totally honest and totally you with them. And so go and find the bad fits, root them out of their hiding places by just blasting your honesty at people. Anyone left standing is a good person for you. You know, anyone left standing and supportive is a good fit for you. If you're blasting honesty and people are reacting negatively, you're just eliminating the bad fits. 
bringing on that that nothing to lose mentality like fuck it if these people are bad for it let's get rid of them quick with some honesty and, and the key one here and this is an analogy i like to use is it's like being at a restaurant so many people like to show the prepared finished meal you're sitting at the table and out the waiter comes with this beautiful meal all the garnishings and trimmings everything looks perfect and that's how most people communicate and express honesty. They get it all perfect and then let it out. I challenge you to get it out before it's ready. Let the people come back into the kitchen and show the meal being made. Right? Show your confusion. Start speaking before you know where you're going to end. Start practicing getting something out without getting a clear idea of what it actually is. And this will be the ultimate level of vulnerability. So if you're practicing this, this is like the end game where with a stranger or with whoever you're most ashamed with, you start talking about confusion without knowing where you're going to end up. That complete walk off the cliff, that unknown. That is the highest level of vulnerability. But one way to think of it is quite often you try to get your meal prepared because you don't want to mess, right? You don't want to be open and honest with someone and have an emotional mess that you don't know how to deal with. I say commit to something new. Commit to making a mess and cleaning it up together, Yeah. When you're talking to someone, rather than trying to give them something clean, give it to them messy, let them get messy in response, and then the two of you can work through it. You know, one of the things I love about my girlfriend is this is how we have conflicts, you know. We'll have this kind of ugly thoughts and feelings come out. We don't even know what we're trying to say. We'll have a big misunderstanding or whatever, you know, and we're just trying to get stuff out. But we trust each other to because we're a good fit. We will clean it up together. We'll look at all the pieces that have spilled out and go, what the fuck were we trying to achieve here? You know, what are we trying to say? What are we thinking? You know, we'll go through whatever emotional conflicts required to eventually clean the thing up. And I'm telling you, every single time we're stronger as a couple afterward. Every single time. I'm not exaggerating here. Every time I've been like, God, this is just a pear-shaped argument. You know, it's going nowhere. Such a fucking mess. By the end of that day, we're like cuddling and kissing and just feeling totally connected, you know, and I have to attribute it to the initial mess. It was the cleaning up of it together that really brought us closer. Lastly, as a, as a technique to kind of keep in your mind, is just start paying attention to how fake your connections are. When you look at how you talk to someone, you're journaling at the end of the day or even during the conversation, and you just watch yourself performing like a seal at the circus, showing them all the good stuff, hiding all the bad stuff in your mind, and just watching them be manipulated by this. Just observe it. Just ask yourself, is this how I want to be? Is this the social life I dreamed of? Do I want this forever? Because if it doesn't change now, then it will stay like this forever. Or am I willing to take some risks here? So that that kind of connection you only have with your best friend, where you just feel totally open and honest, Imagine having that with everyone where you have no armor, but you have no apology either. So you're invincible. I planted the seed earlier in the session. This is what I want to end with. If I completely expose everything about myself, which is one of my goals, by the way, everything, then no one can blackmail me. If I expose everything to everyone, nothing can be used against me. Because it's only when something's attempted, somebody's attempted to keep something secret that you can blackmail them. If they have no attempt to keep it secret, if they are fully willing to lose, you can't do shit to them. And that's the secret here with true vulnerability. It's one of the reasons, you know, my book, Nothing to Lose, all about this, how you achieve this level of truth with courage. And the idea being is when you expose this level of truth, you really become someone who has nothing to lose. You've essentially lost everything, and because of that, you are untouchable. Nobody can take anything away from someone who's got nothing. So when you're willing to lose everything, nobody can take anything away from you. You're really untouchable, and you can see this. You know, when I was started to get into that nothing-to-lose mentality in my old work and corrections, when I just spoke my mind at meetings, I was willing to get fired, I was willing to upset people higher up than me, and on and on, I just kept getting promoted. Everyone was like, that's, you know, one, somebody accidentally leaked these meeting minutes to me, high level, and they were talking about me in the meeting, I was in the minutes, and somebody accidentally sent it to me, because my name was there, and because I was starting to be known as a guy, just 
like basically brutally honest and shameless, they started referring to me as a secret weapon. Like we'll put Dan on it. Some conflicting situation. We'll put Dan on it. And uh, that's when I realized my vulnerable honesty was now my greatest strength. Because I was unashamed of it, people were like, well, let's put that to work. He's the only one who can do it. Everybody else is too busy trying to like protect their careers and stuff. We need somebody who's willing to get shot. And that's what you'll see ultimately when I see my deepest relationships or connections with others. It's people going, finally, someone I can trust. Finally, someone I know what I'm going to get with. So have a look at that. Have a look in your own lives. I know it's scary and I know it's hard. I'm not going to pretend there's some easy way to do this. It's not. It will be messy. It will be confusing. It will uh, get really emotional at some points. But the reward is absolute connection. The, the absence of loneliness forever. To feel completely connected and to be totally self-accepting. That's the reward at the end of all this. So if you're keen on that, give it a nudge. Try with some safe people, build up until eventually the audience doesn't matter at all and you just expose yourself, which is what I'm aiming towards, which is why I talk about myself so openly in these things. All right, peeps, let me know how you got on with that. Dan at brojo.co.nz. This is difficult stuff, and I'm telling you now, if you really want the guidelines as to how to be that powerfully honest, shameless person, Grab a copy of Nothing to Lose, and uh, it's got everything you need to know about this. All right, have yourselves an awesome week, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.